You know, I heard Preston Reed once say that he stopped viewing it as a guitar and he started viewing the thing as a, a tone generator at some point in his life. And that you can do a lot more with the guitar than just play the strings on it. Thanks for dropping by. This is Measured Voices, featuring conversation and music with songwriters from around Idaho's Treasure Valley. I'm Walt Huntsman. In episode 34, I sit down with songwriter and guitar instrumentalist Wayne White. We'll talk influences, how Wayne decided being in a band was not for him, songwriting and playing techniques, teaching, finding the right venue, and harp guitar. It's all next on Measured Voices. Um, but I want to I want to start off with the question about your music, it, just a sort of a general one. In a lot of ways, your music kind of, at least to me, kind of defies classification. I mean, it can go into a lot of different categories if people are really insistent on putting it into one. But if I were to ask you to define your music, how would you define it, define it for people? I I've struggled with that too. Um, I generally tell people it's instrumental guitar music. Um, and then I just try to describe uh, that it's relaxing, it's transporting, um, and always interesting. But as far as uh, a common genre, I, you, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I understand. Now, before you, you did start doing this solo work, uh, I looked at your webpage and it mentioned that you had been in, in some bands and it had tried that route what what was if there was a tipping point what was the what was the final straw that told you hey this isn't for me i gotta go do my own thing um you know i came back from a music school in southern california in 1991 and started playing with some people that i had known and other people new people i met and did that for a few years and but I got burned out on trying to find people that were committed, people mm -hmm. that wanted to practice and wanted to go do the thing. And and so I had a partner at the time who was a drummer, and I said, you know, let's just buy some equipment and do some home recording. And we did that for the better part of the 90s. And I got burned out on that, too, because I was, uh, I was uh, spending more time reading a manual and, and recording mm -hmm. things, learning how to do it more than I was playing. And I started to regret. Uh, I wanted to perform. I wanted to play, but I didn't want to play in a band. Right. And I didn't know how to do it. And I had regretted uh, dropping piano in college because... I thought piano players have it made. They could just go anywhere and entertain, and they didn't need a band, and I'd like to do that. And so, you know, through dumb luck, really, I found this style of playing the guitar. And uh, when I when I heard it, I said, that's it. That's piano playing on the guitar. Now, you, you mentioned the, the having to read manuals and all that stuff. Did, 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 it sounds like it was a challenge to find a balance between the time spent playing and or writing and then trying to capture what it is you had written? Yeah. Well, again, I was pretty well on my own. You know, I was writing all the music. I was playing the, all the guitars. I was playing the bass guitar. I was programming the drum machine after a while and doing all the vocals. I'm writing the lyrics to the songs. Uh, I was a one-man band at home. 
and it didn't have the same allure anymore. It was more fun to uh, collaborate. Um, but for, you know, like I said, I had kind of had a sour taste in my mouth and I was working full time and uh, was married. And um, your time is what it is. You have so much time. And and so I thought I could entertain myself that, that way. Um, but it just took a period of time for me to get into the rut again. I, I definitely understand that challenge because my wife is the one that handles any recording that we do and working full time. She comes home tired and it's, it just, as you say, time is limited. Uh, now you are known uh, for your, your finger style uh, approach to playing. How did you uh, come upon that and, and, or how did you decide that that was the way to go? I know a lot of people use a pick and some people do both. And I, I don't know if you ever use a pick, but you're predominantly at least finger style, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I, while I was in the guitar school in Southern California, which was, it's called Musicians Institute, um, one of the lessons I learned, and it was just the first day in orientation, uh, the fellow on stage was telling us, in the time that you spend at the school, you need to figure out what your niche is. And if you're going to have any luck, uh, if you're going to get into this business and make money on any level whatsoever, whether it's local or something else, he said, you've got to be different. You've got to find your niche. He said, he looked out and there's 500 guitar players in my class, you know, and he said, you all look the same to me and why I would buy the guy, why I would buy your CD instead of the guy on your left, I don't know, you know, but because, uh, you know, and, you know, if you play Metallica, that's great. But if I want to listen to Metallica, that's what I'll do. Right. You know, so, you know, it just rang in my head all year long at school. And then when I came home. I mean, there were a lot of things like that that were said um, that continued to uh, uh, show its importance to me. And so I, you know, it was, it was almost like eight years later that I was working at a music store and I took some vacation time and I had bought a book and it was on a, I needed a new, I needed a new project. I was in a rut and... I had bought a, a very old national resophonic resonator mm -hmm. guitar from a fella and thought, I, I'm going to get into slide guitar. I'd play some blues and, and I needed, I need a new project. And so I took some time off. I bought this book and it was on this tuning called Dad Gad Tuning, D-A-D-G-A-D, -A -D -A -D, and it came with an audio CD. And so I got home and I First day, first morning, got my coffee, popped in that CD and started to follow along on the first song. And I said, this is absolutely not what I wanted. <laughs> you know, I bought the wrong book. And the more I listened, the more I said, you know, I started to think, this is amazing. It's fingerstyle guitar playing. And I'd never heard it at that level, what, what these people were doing. And I, I uh, started to question whether or not that can't be one guy. It sounds like there's two guys playing, you know, and uh, so it would be years to come before someone said that to me about my playing, but that was a big compliment when I got it. Well, your, your music is definitely distinctive, and I think at this point, maybe we should, for people who aren't familiar, give them a taste of uh, what your music is like. What uh, What's the first song you're going to share with us? Uh, the first one I thought I would play a, a song called Justified. 
This is the opening track on my second album. And Justified had a different title. And it, what it was, it escapes me at this point. But it, I got all the way through the recording process. Uh, we mastered it. And, I mean, we were moving on. And it's at some point during the whole process of that recording that CD... Some people close to me started to put a, a bug in my ear saying, I think you need to change the title of that. And, okay. And so the engineer kind of surprisingly agreed and said, you might consider changing it just, just to be neutral. Okay. So I had to give it some thought and I really, I couldn't come up with anything I liked, but I did agree that the change was justified. So I named it Justified. <laughs> there you go. All right. We'll listen to Justified. Thank you. 
Now, on your Facebook page, you list some pretty diverse influences um, for your for your music. Michael Hedges, Alex DeGrassi, uh, Preston Reed, all who play in ways that, to some extent or another, relate to the way you play. But you also, uh, I'm, 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 and I've listened to a little bit of Michael Hedges, and somewhere I have buried an Alex DeGrassi album somewhere, but no longer have a turntable to play it on, so I need to find an alternate way of playing that one. Uh, how did they how did they influence you in, in when you were developing the style that you've come to now? I think their their ability to tell a story without lyrical direction. Um, I sat and listened. You know, Michael Hedges, especially his first album, was the real big first one for me. I was listening to some. In the beginning, some miscellaneous stuff, some Celtic stuff, and a friend of mine gave me a Breakfast in the Field, his first album on my 30th birthday, I think, and and I was, again, just floored, you know, floored by uh, not just his guitar ability, but his songwriting and how it just takes you on this journey. Um, and again, I was more taken aback by listening to Alex Degrassi mm. later, uh, which was also given to me uh, by a friend. Um, but I just felt like I had been listening to popular music, rock music my whole life and and participated in it. And now I'm listening to a genre of guitar playing that I hear and feel more than I ever have before. And there's there are no words to it. Now you also list the Beatles as an influence, and while mm-hmm. they're definitely known, uh, especially the later albums for George Harrison's guitar playing as much as anything, uh, they're mainly known for the, the lyrics of Lennon and McCartney. Uh, what did you draw from them, and, and how do you incorporate that influence into your music? Well, you know what, I still listen to them a lot. I'm a I'm a big fan. Um, they were the first influence musically. I started listening to them when I was about. 10 and uh their harmonies is what really drew me in um i just loved the sound of it and then as you get an opportunity to see them in old footage and interviews or watch one of their crazy movies early on like hard days night i love the camaraderie uh, i played a lot of team sports as a young person and so it I was also very, very creative, and it seemed like getting into a band was the best of all worlds to mm-hmm. me. I could be creative. I wanted to create songs. I learned they wrote up predominantly all their own music. That was very impressive. So uh, musically, um, uh, they were my biggest influence. Okay. Now you also list, I think I saw Paul Simon and Alison Krauss mm-hmm. and, and Billie Holiday, and, and of course Paul Simon in some of his later albums, began to incorporate different styles of music and, yeah. and rhythms into his stuff. Billie Holiday, I suppose you could argue that her voice was an instrument in the way that she could change it. But what what do you what do you draw from vocalists? An emotional quality. As a guitarist, uh, I try to emulate that um, through the guitar. Uh, sometimes it's just somebody's vibrato that I really liked. Sometimes it's just the timber of their voice. Um, uh, I, you know, Billie Holiday, what can you say? She just takes you somewhere else. And, uh, 
Simon and Garfunkel was another um, influence early on. I love their harmonies and their songs. Their folky pop music um, was very, very appealing. Um, I've always loved Alison Krauss. has a calmness to her voice. It's kind of like the biggest little voice mm-hmm. out there. And her, she has a wonderful band. Um, it's kind of like a new grass um, there's just, you know, I've, I've just taken from here and there and, um, uh, whatever comes out in my music comes out. Cause I don't think you can, I don't think you can uh, escape your roots and I don't think you should try, mm. you know, if you accidentally write someone else's song, that's a different thing. But now Billy Holiday, definitely. I, 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 probably as well as any singer I can think of off the top of my head was able to convey emotion and mood and, and, and feeling because, she could wrap herself around a song yeah. <laughs> in a way that very few can. I'm going to get, I guess, a, a, maybe a little technical here. Um, in a number of your songs, you use a technique that, known as harmonics, um, which I was trying to think of a, a way to describe it for people who aren't familiar with it. And the, the two that came to mind that aren't exact but seem a little close would be almost like a high-pitched bell or chime. Um, Talk about how your use of harmonics and and what you think they bring to the, your songs when you incorporate those. Uh, well, the harmonics are like some of the other aspects to slapping the guitar, um, keeping almost a drum beat on the guitar. You know, I heard Preston Reed once say that he stopped viewing it as a guitar and he started viewing the thing as uh, a tone generator at some point in his life and that you can do a lot more with the guitar than just play the strings on it and so that really opened my eyes to wow you know you're right you can if you've got a song that needs a little bit more it's uh, maybe a little more driving you can emulate the bass drum and the snare drum on the guitar itself. And then in my mind, uh, slapping the fingerboard and obtaining those slap harmonics are kind of like a symbol. It's an accent um, that that's uh, really nice when it's, when it's called for. Um, I try not to write around those things. A lot of those, I hear other people really overuse these techniques. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems as though they're trying to write a song around their tricks. You know, I think George Lucas would have something to say about that. (laughs) Um, They're just without a story. They're just special effects, you know. So I really try to listen to the music and see if, um, you know, maybe maybe there's a pair of doo-wop singers. Maybe there's a little, some background singers in my head in that song. And I'm going to do that with a pair of those harmonics as, and when I get a chance to try to, you know, just uh, really drive that drive it home. Now, you, you mentioned uh, the use of the unstringed parts of the guitar, which was actually going to be my next question. Um, was that something that you, uh, when you went on your own, is that something that came right away, or something that eventually evolved? Or uh, it's just things I've learned by listening. You know, to the the people we've mentioned and, uh, people that I, I continue to listen to and, and, uh, always listening. If you're not listening, you're not learning. Um, and if you're not learning, you're not progressing. So, uh, 
you know, yeah, in the beginning, I learned a lot of other people's songs, which is mm -hmm. normal, just like you do in a band. You learn a lot of cover songs, and along the way, there's things in within them that are unique to them, and whether it's harmonics or slap on the side of the guitar or, or whatnot. And then, likewise, when I start writing a song, sometimes it just presents itself, and it's like, you know, that would go good there, and, and uh, I think that kick would be nice, or that slap would be nice there, and it 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 sounds like that's that all fits into that whole idea of really being a one man band in a way. I mean, there's, there's the different ways you use the, the parts of the guitar and the, the harmonics and all of that. Yeah, yeah, that's what it comes down to. And I kind of went full circle and came back to playing uh, like I was. I was playing in a band, didn't play in a band, and then found a way to be the band <laughs> and. You know what? Uh, there's a romantic quality to it, too. I, I have a lot more gear now, but in the beginning, I remember showing up at gigs with a guitar in one hand and an amp in the other. And and uh, I would show up, I would set up, I play, I get paid, I tear down, I go home. And I really liked it, you know? Um, in the old days, you're lucky to get home by two or three in the morning sometimes, and you smell like smoke. Right. You know? And... Uh, I still have friends that play in, in local bands, and uh, I feel for them, you know. Well, actually, that, that brings up a question that I, I didn't have, but it just sort of occurred to me as you were talking about that. Uh, it sounds like it's correct to say that once you decided to go on your – follow your own road, your own path, that that also changed the kinds of places that you mm -hmm. ended up playing in? The quality of places have – Yes. Um, just the style of music I play doesn't fit everywhere. Right. And I'm, I'm the first to accept that. Um, I don't often fit in where a singer-songwriter is, is wanted. Um, I get turned down, and that's okay. But likewise, I play in places where they might get turned down. Right. But the quality of places is, are you know definitely higher. Um, uh, the food's better. The atmosphere's <laughs> better. The air's cleaner. The people are nicer. Um, and I still get home in time to see my wife before I go to sleep. Oh, there you go. And I can't ask for much more than that. And you don't have to worry about roadies or the split no, <laughs> at the some, end of the night. <laughs> no. Sometimes, uh, you know, if I'm real lucky, uh, she is my roadie. Um, and she enjoys that from time to time, but it's still a lot of work. You're one yeah. guy, but you got to make five trips to the car and yeah, and uh, twice a night, and and uh, it can, it's still a job. Well, at, at this point, I think maybe we can uh, maybe hear another song. Okay, uh, what would you like to do for us? Well, uh, let's play something with the harmonics that you were talking about. Right. I'm going to play you a song from my first album called "View from the Moon." This was uh, inspired by uh, a Ron Howard-directed uh, documentary on all the manned missions to the moon. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was hours and hours long, and I'm not sure I blinked once. I was so captivated by the, um, the interviews with the surviving astronauts, and, and you can see the emotion in their eyes. You can enjoy the humor that they share between them that only they have. And, and, uh, it was just so captivating. And so I, I was deeply inspired and, and wrote that song. All right. We'll listen to view from the moon. Mm -hmm. 
on the occasions when I've seen you play, which I'm ashamed to admit hasn't been that often, I've seen you. I know I've seen you a few times at the, the Idaho Songwriters Forums. Uh, you play what I believe is is known as a harp guitar. Um, and explain what a harp guitar is for people who have never seen one. And how how did you come to it, and, and what about it appeals to you? Well, the harp guitar um, has a six-string guitar neck, and then it also has my personal instrument has seven sub-bass strings below. So uh, where the guitar stops uh, on the E string, if you will, the sixth string, then it has it continues on uh, unfretted bass strings going backwards in the C major scale. So the seventh string or first harp string would be uh, D, and C, B, A, G, F, and then a low E. So I have seven. So for each, there's seven uh, chords in a key, um, seven notes in a scale. I have seven bass strings. Uh, so I will tune one to each of those notes in a scale, depending on the key of the song. And it gives me an octave below what the guitar offers me. So it's a little like having a, it sounds like a bass guitar. Mm -hmm. um, it adds a lot of depth, a lot of warmth to your playing. And it was something different. And I knew when I got it, it was going to get a lot of attention as I walked around. Because the first thing I usually hear is, did you invent that? Mm -hmm. And did you build that? And they've actually been around well over 100 years. I first saw one, uh, uh, I saw an old video of Michael Hedges right. playing his. And the moment I saw it and just studied it for those five minutes, you know, I just said, I have to have one of those. It was 20 years ago. And... Um, I knew what to do with it. I knew how it worked just by looking at it. I understand. And the sound is so, so captivating. And they're, they're very unique looking instruments. And they well. are very unique looking. <laughs> and, yes. Now you mentioned Michael Hedges and, and, and one of the things that he was known for uh, on a lot of his music is uh, his use of alternate tunings, uh, which for lack of a better way of classifying it, I guess you could say is sort of a form of experimentation when you're when you're writing or playing. Do you, do you make much use of alternate tunings, or and and or what other kinds of experimentations do you like to try? In the beginning, I was using a lot of different tunings because of the song that I would learn. Especially, I was learning again other people's music, and whatever tuning it was in, that was fine. I just tuned the guitar to it and. And I learned the song. As time's gone by, uh, I've written enough of my own music, and I've let a lot of those go. So I I still play in Dad Gad quite a bit. Um, I like the tuning; it gives you a, a harp-like um, sound. Lots of open strings ringing against one another um, makes finger picking um, easier, um, more fluid. Where the standard tuning. I think is nice for chord playing, but uh, it's it seems a little limited to me. Um, the open tuning is prettier, and so I do I do write and use the standard tuning or a drop D tuning a lot. Um, but uh, I I also use the uh, alternate tuning on the harp guitar. It just depends on the song, and when I start writing the song. 
you know, if the, the melody comes to me and whatever tuning I'm in, and I'll try to figure that out. And then I have to go from there and find, well, does it belong in this tuning or that tuning? I have to examine what key I'm in. And uh, in the end, I just want to make it easier to play, <laughs> you know. So if I put it in another tuning, it's because it made the melody easier to play. Interesting. That actually, uh, I think, pretty well d disposed of my next question was how you decide whether, you know, okay, this song needs to go into drop D yeah. or whatever. There's a lot of things you you couldn't do if you didn't tune the guitar differently. You just couldn't play what you have in mind. Um, I learned that again from learning other people's music, you know, by observing. There's no way you could come up with these harmonies. The guitar mm. is limited that way um so retuning it and you know my observation with michael hedges in general um or specifically i should say he tuned his guitar to a chord quite often and not just a c chord but maybe a c major nine chord hmm. and then he wrote around it and why because there was something to do with it to begin with but you know, and I always figured, well, you know, you got to listen to that song inside and out and, and determine wh where did he start with that? You know, was it the harmonics? Because he's got all these harmonics through the thing. And it's, you know, I always figured there was a part to it that was written in that tuning. And then you wrote the rest of the song. Okay. Uh, that's something I, I, I occasionally think of in my own mind as something that I, I need to try to incorporate once in a while. I haven't tried anything in the alternate tuning yet so um do you uh, also experiment much with uh, time signatures you know i put that on my uh to-do list and i do it all the time i try to uh i think i learned that from an article i read on bob dylan once said to keep a running list of things you'd never used you know mm -hmm. never written a song in three four time never written a song in six eight time or you know in the key of d lydian whatever and so uh, i think most everything i do it winds up in four four time again you know and and if i i've made several attempts okay this time i'm i'm writing it in three four or six eight and the more i get into the song it doesn't want to <laughs> it doesn't want to be in that time signature and and so i Again, I listen to the song. I listen to where I think it wants to go. Uh, I do have one uh, on my second album that's in 6-8 time, and so I did break the cycle, and, <laughs> and I got one on there. But, uh, you know, I always figure uh, I check my to-do list occasionally, and but outside of that, I think the music... Um, speaks for itself and it will tell me what it wants. You know, it presents itself as I start to write. And if it, uh, if it winds up in three, four time and then it's like, Oh, okay, great. You know, it's something new, but. Well, it, the, the, the songs of yours that I've heard, um, it seems like the, uh, the music itself is, is unique and distinctive enough that you don't need to shoot for that uniqueness and distinctiveness by putting it in seven I four or... i don't honestly give it a lot of thought you know but it just happens the mm -hmm. song happens and i i i write it now when you when you are writing um as an instrumentalist are there are there themes that you're drawn to or or how how does that all 
work in, work into the equation. I think it's no different really than how I always approached it or anyone approaches it in that it's usually a, a piece of melody. Mm-hmm. Um, that, And that's a thing that uh, a songwriter has to practice. And it's kind of like uh, I used to have a literature teacher in high schools that said a writer writes. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to yep. be a writer, you're always writing. And so a songwriter, you need to practice creating melody you know and i find a great time for me to do that is when i'm driving from a to b i mean it could be just to the store and back and i let my mind wander and i just come up with a piece of melody and with today's technology i can sing that into my phone Mm -hmm. and get my groceries and go home and and check out that what i sang into it and see "Ah, that wasn't worth anything or but uh, I come up with melody and uh, find it on the guitar, and then I find what uh, key I'm in and start putting uh, bass notes to it that imply chord changes and go from there. Yeah, almost like going to the store and bringing home groceries and a song. And a song, yeah. <laughs> I used to do it a lot uh, when I had a real job, and I would get off work, and I it got to be a habit where I would jump in the car and I would just make up melody all the way home every day. And I think it was just a sense of freedom. I was Mm -hmm. getting out of there. I hated that job. And I just felt free. And by the time I got home, it was like, boy, I got to start writing these down. You know, I didn't have a, we didn't have cell phones all the time and and that, that ability. So now uh, I know for me as a, as a a vocalist and and a a songwriter of, of sorts, that I will I will try to experiment at times with putting either sad lyrics with a melody that doesn't seem sad or vice versa. Is is that something? That, obviously, you're an instrumentalist, but are are there ways that you try to juxtapose those sort of emotions? Well, about the only way I can do that is with a title. I can give you a title, and I think. I really like that about this style of music. Every song is like a painting and Mm -hmm. that a painting, you get a title and a picture to look at and you relate to it the way you relate to it. And I think this music is the same way in that if it has a specific theme in the title, that's what people automatically get drawn to. Um, You know, if it's a song about your father and it's in the title, it makes them think of their father. wouldn't make them think of their aunt or uncle. Um, That's a little more direct, but I can definitely um, use the title to depict mood. And, and I do, I do. I try to, uh, um, I try to capture that. That's just one more thing um, within being an instrumentalist that, um, it's it's just one more thing that uh, I have to take advantage of. Well, as an instrumentalist, I, I guess I have to ask the question now. How many guitars do you own? Oh, <laughs> you know, surprisingly, I, I have students that own more guitars than I do. Um, you know, I have three that I play professionally. Um, one I tend to do mostly with recording, and one I one's the road guitar. One's the and then there's the harp guitar. Um, I have a few others at home um, that are kind of older guitars, collectors' okay. guitars. Um, I, so altogether, I might have ten. Um, 
and they're also some of the older ones are just sentimental and uh, shamefully they don't get played but uh, maybe once a year I get them out and look them over and play them a little bit but make sure they're still uh, in working order yeah I probably you know it's funny being a working musician I think you find other working musicians and they tell you uh, the same thing we have less instruments than than the common hobbyist they have probably have more disposable income and can afford an, uh, another guitar once in a while where I'm usually putting money into my guitars to keep them going. Now, on the subject of that, uh, when you're writing, how how do you decide or, or when do you know that, okay, this song should be on the harp guitar or this song should be on, hmm. um, I don't know, the resonator, if you still have a resonator, or uh, on, on a traditional uh, acoustic? Uh, sometimes... Um... Again, going back to the complexity of the song, uh, I, I want to make the song easier to play. And uh, certainly if I had uh, a few more strings on the bass end especially, uh, it would be easier to play the song. And then it becomes just a physical thing. Um, some of it's just experimentation and you write a tune. And um, the first couple songs I've written on the harp guitar, I actually started on the six string guitar and then I purchased the harp guitar and one song was not completed and I immediately knew though that I wanted that to be on the harp guitar because when you hear that big bass string, mm -hmm. you know, um, an octave below what you would normally hear and it's just a guitar you're sitting and watching or li and listening, it's, it's, uh, it has an effect. It has an effect on on your on your ear and and the perception people have of the song. It's um, it changes. Well, that actually uh, touched on a question that occurred to me while you were talking, and, and, and whether or not you've written songs. Okay, I, I wrote this on the sixth string. I'm done. But maybe this now should be on the harp guitar. Does that happen often, or? Uh, not really, you know, so I sometimes have those, uh, those feelings after, <laughs> um, maybe after that's recorded or something. And, and, uh, thankfully I have my wife that will turn to me. And if I say, well, maybe I could adapt that to the harp guitar and play it live. And she says, or you could just write a new song, <laughs> you know, instead of wasting your time. And she's right. You know, she's, she's always right about that. So. Now, you mentioned your students earlier, and that, that was actually a, a question I had. Uh, in addition to the, the performing the writing, you, you give guitar lessons. I do. And, um, what does that, what if anything, does that experience bring to you or give you when you're writing your music? I, I, I can't imagine that they're completely detached from one another. I didn't want to be a teacher. And uh, my mother was a school teacher for 30 plus years. She was my sixth grade teacher. Mm. And you've never been in trouble in school until you've been in trouble in your mom's class, let me tell you that, because <laughs> you really got it at home. Um, she was a wonderful teacher. She was an excellent educator and a great mentor of mine. She was the teacher everybody loved to have. To this day, everyone that stops me on the street and says, says hello, they always ask first, how's your mom? You know, and... Oh, she was my favorite teacher. And so I think it's in my blood. But uh, 
And in order to survive, um, I created my job. I, I was working uh, a full-time job, started getting a few gigs here and there, and I really wanted to quit that job. I did not like it anymore. I, was out, I had outgrown it. So I was doing a lot of repair work uh, of acoustic instruments, um, guitars, violins, and so on. And, and I needed to supplement it further. And the thought of teaching a few lessons came into mind. And before I knew it, I had 10 students on Saturday. And uh, it grew pretty quickly. And I recognized before too long that I actually enjoyed it. And I enjoy sharing. Um, anyone that wants to learn, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy learning and this might be the only thing I do right in my life is, is uh, music. So if somebody wants to learn, then I want to help them. And my favorite part is watching the light come on. And when I, when they make that connection, whatever mm -hmm. it is, you know, and they understand what I'm talking about and then they just played it back to me and they're excited, you know? And I find a big difference between kids. I teach a lot of kids, uh, 12, 13, whatever, that, that age group, that's when I started. The big difference between those kids now and when I was a kid is that when I was learning to play, when I wasn't playing, I was listening to music and I was always listening for to something new or even if it was the same group, I wanted to hear a new album. You know, I, I was listening. And kids now, I don't find they listen to music near as much because there's so many distractions. There's so many other things they like to do. And, and I know that's one reason they're sitting with me in that room is because the parents want them to find something other than what they're doing, maybe sitting in front of the computer all day. Do that that actually brought up a, another question that I I was thinking of. Um, do you find that with uh, you you talked about technology and how great it is for getting down ideas uh, when you're driving? But I'm wondering, technology has also produced the ability to stream and to instant download, and there's instant gratification almost for uh, getting us on. Does that do you, do you find that to be part of the, the situation too? I mean, the kid, because teenagers now, they're not going to go in and put a, an album on the turntable or, or CD in no. the drawer, even if they, they don't can even find know one. what CDs are anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I talk to them and some of them, I go as far as um, if, you know, they have their homework, their, their, their piece that they're going to rehearse this week, uh, their lesson, I'll also assign them like, I want you to listen to these three songs. You know, if you need your mother's permission to get on YouTube and listen to find Jimi Hendrix playing Bold as Love, then fine, you know, I just do that. But I want you to listen to these three and I write them down and who did them and they come back a week later and I'll ask, did you listen to that? No. Hmm. Well, why not? You know, that's, that's part of what I asked you to do. I want you to let, you know, sometimes if it means enough to me and I, I'm guilty of this, I will spend their whole lesson making them listen to music song after song after song. I want them to listen because some of them, like an athlete, you get a 14 year old kid that plays football at school and, and I'll ask him, don't you think that football players watch film? Hmm. Musicians listen to music. You know, it's, I'll ask them what inspires them, you know, um, 
why, why do you keep coming here? There's something. It can't be looking at me, you know, I'm ugly. So <laughs> there has to be something that inspires you. You know, there, there's definitely something in me that, you know, it got into me. I think it gets into you or you get into it, but, um, it's easy for them. It's easier than ever to stream music, you know, it, it doesn't even cost anything half the time, which stinks as a musician. Yeah. Well, it's become more of a, a commodity uh, in a way, I think. <laughs> Um, let me, uh, let me ask you on the, on the subject of music as, as a solo instrumentalist, uh, playing in and around the area, what are some of the challenges for you, uh, in terms of lining up gigs versus, uh, you know, the, the standard singer songwriter or the, the, the small band or whatever? Um, one problem is is that the area, as big as Boise is, it's still really small, and there's not enough. Um, I do have uh, a number of regular things I play, or restaurants or hotels, and I love them for that. They give me work, and you know, I've always said, once I get my foot in the door, I mean, if it's the right fit, it's the right place, they love it, right. and I love it too, because I just want to be heard and appreciated like anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the chal- the real challenge though is just that is that you don't always fit in as well and you have to accept that um they're not a, they're not looking for what you do you know right. they're looking for a singer songwriter and some people view what I do as background music and I'll joke and say well it's only background music if you put it there you know <laughs> anything's background music if you put it there um, I find it very exciting and, uh, and, uh, transporting to listen to. So, you know, you can do what you can do. It's no different than anyone else that's playing in a band or playing a solo as a singer, a songwriter or a duo. Uh, you got to keep looking. You got to, it's part of being self-employed or self-unemployed is constantly <laughs> looking for work, constantly trying to make friends and network and, and uh, uh, picking and choosing. I'm, I'm really happy. I don't have to play pro bono as much as I once upon a time, you know, was playing anywhere and everywhere trying to just find something else, you know, because that was the belief was that you just take the gig and, right. and hope it leads to something else. And that's true. It does work. Um, so, uh, time went on, I could stop going to those outlets and, and, uh, and, uh, when you have four or five places that you've been playing on a regular basis, now you have a little bit of a resume and you can say, well, I play at these and I think your place would be a good fit too. Can I, can I play for you? How, how hard is it, uh, for you uh, to, to go out and, and market yourself and promote yourself to either the listening public or the various places that you'd like to get your foot in the door with. Cause I, I know for some people, musicians like actors and, and poets and other writers that a lot of times tend to be introverted. So selling themselves is not necessarily their strong suit. And I, I am very introverted. Um, that's actually a part of the business I hate and I hate, bothering people. I hate, uh, I don't use the phone anymore. Uh, I, I love using email. And so, um, I like to go to places and maybe if it's a restaurant or something, 
I'll go in and be a customer. And that's the first thing I do is if I hear of a new place that I think I, I want to check out, I'll go see if I want to play there mm-hmm. and if I want to be associated with it and how the service is and, and do they have a nice patio? Is that where I'm going to play? And, and maybe then I'll be able to find out who else plays there and maybe I fit in and maybe I don't. Um, but I, yeah, it's the leg work. I often wish I had help. Um, I can't afford help, so <laughs> it has to be me. Um, but that continues to be my wish. Well, the only other thing I have is uh, just sort of a, as I, I've turned it, sort of a catch-all question. Um, what uh, what else would you like people to know about either you or and or your music? What would I like them to know? Um, what I do is a lot more difficult than maybe what it appears. Um, you know, it never seems to fail. I could, I could, I work hard. And if I played two hours straight and I look up and some guy's looking at me chewing his food and says, what's the matter, boy, don't you sing? You know, and it's like, I was, <laughs> didn't you hear it? You know, um, uh, I think a lot of it is mistaken uh, for, it's not that I don't have the ability to sing. I sing fine. I still sing if I get hired to play at a wedding. I end up singing two or three songs. Um, and then I'll play the reception instrumental. Um, it's whatever they want. I just don't want to make it, it's not part of my thing. Um, I actually suffer from asthma and allergies uh, in this area. The allergies try to kill me on a daily basis. And so singing, you know, I just know that from experience going into it, it's like one day you're going to go into that gig and you're going to sound like this trying to sing. You got your nose plugged up on one side and and, uh, I want to put my best foot forward. So that's why I do what I do. And I think I've always been a better guitar player than a singer anyway. Um, uh, There was a short stint there about nine years ago. I did a little duet with a friend of mine. We went around and did some folk songs, singing harmony and... And we did that for about shy of a year, and it was a lot of fun. But uh, that's a lot of work too. Mm. Trying to, it's again, it was like keeping a band together, right? And where I'm self reliant, and I, I, uh, I do my own thing. But I guess I would like people to recognize uh, what I and what I do, and people like myself, what we do. It's it's a lot harder than it looks. All right. Well, I want to I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to sit down with me and and talk about music and and technique and and everything we've talked about maybe we can close out with one last song yes um you know i would like to thank you for treating me as a songwriter i don't often get that i get treated or talked of as a guitarist and even at the idaho songwriters i was always introduced as a guitar player and not once was i introduced as a songwriter and i I have multiple chips on both shoulders <laughs> for different reasons, and that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I want people to recognize that. So I, I thank you very much. Well, you were you were early on uh, on my list of potential people to talk to, and uh, uh, I'm sorry, just it took so long to get to you. <laughs> it's been fun. Uh, I'm going to play you uh, in closing a song on the harp guitar. Um, it was the song that uh, it was incomplete when I bought the bought the instrument, 
and I knew immediately I wanted that song to be on that instrument. The recorded version has violin with it. We shot a video for it. Um, a lot of the footage, uh, it's all taken downtown Boise uh, from that winter we had two years ago, the mini ice age we had. <laughs> um, it is, and it's in black and white. And oh. it's uh, it's very striking. It's on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's just my name, Wayne White, or Wayne White Guitar, something like that. I don't watch it. So um, <laughs> this song, um, it's a sad song. Um, it, it does have a bright moment to it. But uh, in my mind, as it was forming, it was it was a breakup song of some nature. Um, you know, and I was thinking about something when I named it that, uh, and as I wrote it, that somebody would say to, you know, they'd say there's always another choice. You know, usually you're watching the movie and the villain will say, I didn't have a choice. Mm. And the good guy will say, there's always another choice. And I, I like to think about uh, things like that and think about them in depth. And I, so I thought, I thought about that second choice. I named this the second solution. All right. Well, we'll close with the second solution. And again, thank you very much. Thank you.
My thanks to Wayne White. You'll find links to Wayne's website, his YouTube channel, and more on our webpage, measured-voices.blogspot.com. In episode 35, I'll begin to look back at some of the music songwriters have shared with us over the past 15 months, as Measured Voices takes a break from presenting new conversations for the summer. Thanks for listening. I'm Walt Huntsman, and this has been Measured Voices. Thank you.